This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by NatureBox. With over 100 delicious options to choose from, NatureBox delivers high-quality, healthy snacks right to your door. Head over to NatureBox.com slash badchristian today and receive three free snacks with your first order. That's NatureBox.com slash badchristian for three free snacks with your first order. Today's show is also sponsored by Casper. Get premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Sleep on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Save $50 off any mattress purchase today by visiting casper.com slash bcpod and use the promo code bcpod at checkout. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one, hit it! Keep hitting it! Don't stop yet! I'm starting to feel it! Can you bring it? Are you still there? <laughs> Bad Christian Podcast! Now, that was amazing. Like, Joey would not start till I said three, two, one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is loyalty. That is friendship. That runs deep. How long have we been friends, Joey? Uh, uh, we're, hey, it's our 20-year anniversary. Wow. I mean, we yeah. have known each other longer than our wives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we've been probably intimate more than them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're yeah. starting to do it. The thing I've always count, tried to count, and I don't have a good current number on it, but I've always tried to count how long would I have to be married and at home to, uh, for the amount of nights I've spent in the room with my wife overnight than with Toby or Devin. <laughs> and I don't know if I've eclipsed it. Yeah, yeah, still maybe have slept under the same in the same bedroom as Toby or Devin more total nights than I have with my wife, and we've been married seven years. They, the math works out really, really close. I think maybe still I've slept as Devin's college roommate and in the band and on tour buses and roommates when we were home. That's true. So I think I've still slept in the room with Devin more than any other human, still way more than my wife. Not way more, but it's got to be more. I haven't done the math. I mean, that is crazy if you think about it. I mean, you were roommates sleeping in the same room. Yeah, three years of college then, at least yeah. in the same room. And then then fit- right out of college, we went to Seattle, and, yep. and you li- we lived together. Mm-hmm. Lived together there for a long time. And then you have to count touring Tour bus, and yeah. being on the bus and right. stuff. That's a bunk across from, you know. So that's, I mean, that's, 50, that's most nights for more 15 to 20 years. About 20 years for most nights. Not exactly. It gets it gets squirrely about the time we got married and when he got married. So it's, it diverges there a little bit, but it's real close. I think I've still spent more nights with Devin than anybody else. <laughs> who's I mean, better? Ha- who's better has- to sleep with? Uh, they both if snore, had- but Devin snores a little louder. So I'm still going to go with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there I mean, are other, to- there are other pros and cons, but I won't get into the each uh, for each one. But that, we'll just go with the snoring as the baseline, and Devin snores worse. So. But Devin brings a sound machine with him everywhere he goes, which is pretty That's nice. True. So that kind of cancels it out. I mean, he brings a machine. He doesn't use just a regular app on he, his phone, right? He uses apps sometimes now. But he, he and Megan have a one of those big giant machines, and they carry it when they go on vacation, when they go anywhere. They have this big <laughs> machine that makes noise. I guess they use it at home because yeah. Devin snores pretty bad. Yeah, it's really love, funny when we, like when machine. Devin and Megan would come out on the bus and the bus is loud with a giant diesel Detroit yeah. diesel engine going blah, 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 and our generator and the, blowing and the air blah, 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 conditions blah, blah. real loud and, and, and Devin and Megan would go to bed and they'd turn on their <laughs> their noise maker. <laughs> I mean the air conditioning, the engine, two engines blowing. No, that's not enough. You got to have a noise maker or else they can't sleep. That's their, like their binky or something. You know, it's like the, it's like, <laughs> yeah. the, it's like I'm, I'm watching it happen in real time with Geraldine because I keep, we keep giving her like different toys that I put her in one of her arms at night and her passy, and I'm waiting to see if she'll, you know, lock onto it. Like Georgia has a dog that's just her, she, she can't go to sleep without, she loves it. She's four years old, but she still totally needs this one stuffed animal. And so Jerry doesn't quite have one of those yet, but I'm, I think, you know, I'm watching her develop this thing that I'm artificially placing with her enough nights, and then she'll be, have, a dependent relationship with it just if I do that enough. So it's kind of like that with the sound machine. I think Devin and Megan, it's like their little binky or their blankie. There's got to be such a, <laughs> there's got to be such a complex trail scientifically in the brain mixed with placebo effect all the way to like that turning into placebo? something that. Yeah, I was, just let it finish. <laughs> I was going to bring that back later, but go ahead. Sorry. That, that basically 
I don't know, allows the brain to just fall in line with you hear the noise, you start getting sleepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's oh yeah. Crazy. Well, that's that's not. I mean, that's relatively simple brain stuff. That's that falls in the realm of I think what you'd call classical conditioning, basically. Yeah, like so, pa- like Pavlov's dog. Oh, actually, sort I'm of sorry. Thing. It's it's behaviorism. Behaviorism is basically what it's. B.F. Skinner and them. It's just you can you just it's this real strict method of thinking of you just reinforce behaviors and they become normal. But they're, they're, it's a state of your brain that's lower than your super cognitive but it includes a lot of messed up stuff now that uh like for instance people that are have trauma will re- reenact trauma you know what i mean it's like i even think of it as weird like when you have nostalgic memories of your childhood that are miserable you remember them fondly yeah just because they're yeah. reinforced and you remember them and your brain does something to make you be able to deal with stuff like that and if you just you know if you condition somebody behaviorally over and over again they'll just they'll just accept it that it'll just be normal humans are just that way that adaptable i mean it can be used for good or bad but it is pretty pretty intense i used to have to sleep with it and now jess but also the placebo noise maker yeah the placebo effect is a new one that (laughs) science has just found out (laughs) they thought they they found a particle that they thought was just a placebo but it is the placebo <laughs> and it's, it's going to change the future. They, as we they know found it. it at CERN with the particle accelerator. They were looking for the Higgs boson, but they found the placebo instead. No, no, I'm sorry. I got another explanation of placebo. Joey is just trying to be affirmative action on making uh, nouns be uh, both feminine and masculine. He's tired of the placebo effect. That's a, he's just trying, That's just right. There's so many. There's so many words that I've just. I'm in such a habit of saying I'm wrong. There's just no way of going back now. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? Speaking of wives, too, though, I've, I learned something on my vacation. I took several secret pictures of Jess while she wasn't looking, and they are my favorite pictures of her ever. But it's because she was just relaxed. She had her head mm-hmm. on her hand on her hip. She had her hair kind of big. It, you know, we were at the aquarium, and she wasn't. She just didn't care that she looked good at the moment. She hates it. Like, if I were to show you all the pictures, she'd be so mad. But it's, like, the hottest I've ever seen her. And it really did make me realize, like, all the stuff. Like, we see so many people dressed up, like, especially females. Mm -hmm. Ladies, uh, you know, in magazines, on TV, commercials, ads, really does put women, tries to make them look almost uh, unreal, like, unachievable to Mm -hmm. look that good. Perfect hair, perfect body, everything. And I am starting to realize more and more, like, like my wife just relaxed is awesome. It's probably more sexy to me than when she's like super fixed up with makeup and everything. Like she, of course, she's beautiful then as well. But I mean, just natural, wearing jean shorts and a t-shirt and her hair's a little poofy. I'm like, good God, this mm-hmm. woman I married, my lord. But she hates it, and I and I was wondering, does she hate it because of all the comparison? You know what I mean? Like, there's so much comparisons with other people. Like I, I even feel that too. Like I know for sure, I feel like, uh oh, my double chin showing in right. this picture or something like that. I get a little defensive or uncomfortable about the way I look, but. The if more she tells you she you likes are, it when your gut hangs out, she wouldn't say, oh, cool, I'll just do that right. more then. <laughs> exactly. Like, I wouldn't believe her, but I do. I mean, it is true. Like, when she's just being herself and not that, that crazy fixed up, it's way better. Wait, do, do y'all care more when your wife's really dressed up and to the nines? Well, no, I don't necessarily prefer that, no. In fact, anything that's formal, I almost reject outright, and that's almost a general rule. Anything that's close, like, for instance, prom, the way a girl dresses for the prom, I despise. I don't like that. I don't think, (laughs) I think wedding day pictures, I mean, anything that's formal is just something that I just don't, it just never has registered with me. So far as to say, this is maybe a side tangent, but I am so informally my I just feel like formality is almost my enemy in every sense like whenever I watch movies or TV or see like if you watch Downton Abbey Downtown Abbey it I always think ah dog I would hate to be those people so but they're the rich people the ruling class and I just think right. I would be if I was born then even if I was the man lord of the manor I would be devastatingly unhappy and not be able to fit I just I wish I was a servant that worked downstairs and hung out with the people goofing off and being dirty I, I just would and when i see the mickey mouse and the prince and the pauper you know where they switch i yeah. i told i mean of course it'd be better to be a pauper that's obvious to me like Matt, why would you is, ever want to have that i just can't stand anything like that this is probably a, a super unwelcome time to bring this up but um so your your mom, mom died no, yeah, I knew it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this is no, an opportune time when is the opportune time yeah. to talk about Matt, matt's mom passing away <laughs> 
When, Seriously, when do you though, think, this, oh, this will be easy? This is this is something that I actually thought of the other day, and it really is. You just can't overlook the gravity of this. How you submitted within the Mars Hill culture, uh-huh. like what you just described about yourself as being someone that doesn't really reciprocate to formalities and all that stuff. You integrated yourself into mm-hmm. a very concrete, hardcore system mm-hmm. of here's how things are, and it's because we say mm-hmm. yes. they are this way. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a miracle. And, and no. honestly, I'll put, I'll, <laughs> like I'll an actual put both miracle. of I'll put both of y'all in this category. I mean, I, I remember conversations I had with Toby when he was working at Mars Hill, and I was like, I cannot believe this is my friend, mm-hmm. Toby. I mean, you've got to just lend credibility to charisma on Mark Driscoll's well, part, yeah, and, yeah. Then I guess, and, and then I guess how well the system was working. Well, but still, well, it's crazy that y'all, that y'all submitted yes, to that I, system. Yes, I, I totally agree. What did they have to do with Matt's mom dying? <laughs> no, no he was just joking about that. Oh, I thought he was being sick. But, but that's where everybody <laughs> thought he was going, and he at least yeah, got, I did, knew yeah. that. I totally did. You so sold good. me all the way yeah. to the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, good. I was waiting for the mom part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let me see if I can address that, because I think you've got two things confused there, but you, that, you do bring up a really good point. I obviously sound and come across and am and always have for my whole life been a pretty anti-authority person. It's not like... It's not. It wouldn't be true to say that I've always been down with systems and authority until lately and after Mars Hill. I've always been antithetically, diametrically opposed to every teacher, uh, cop, system, authority, babysitter. I've every. I've. I've never ever uh, been comfortable with anything authority like ever until Mars Hill. Um, but that's still different than things being formal or informal. Too, so I would draw a distinction there. Things that are formal are like rules and manners and those things. I, those are the worst. I've always thought church, like let's say Presbyterian church, had even more of that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the Presbyterian church yeah. I grew up in was liturgical, and you read this, and then this person speaks, and they're wearing a robe. That's that's both formal and an old system. That's really bad for me. Uh, Mars yeah. Hill, since I was convinced. Okay, I'm going into a tirade here, so I would, just, I would oh, be doing God. the wrong thing if I didn't go ahead and, uh, you know, I think we had to take a second to talk about Nature Box. Is that okay with you, Toby? And then I'll continue. Oh, yes. Fine? Yeah, let's do it. All yep, right. let's do it. All right, guys, I have an answer to one of my biggest weaknesses and a problem that's plagued me most of my life, snacking. And the answer is Nature Box. How many times have you said, I'm going to eat better? I'm just going to do better. I've said that probably a trillion times in my life. And it always ends up not happening. I go to the cabinets, I go to my refrigerator, and I find something that tastes good, but there's those calories and there's that bad feeling that I have of guilt and just like I made a wrong decision. Well, that doesn't have to happen anymore with Nature Box. Nature Box has over 100 snacks that taste good, I'll even dare say great, and are actually better for you. All snacks are made from high-quality, simple ingredients, which means no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. So you can feel good about what you're eating. Now, let me tell you a couple of my favorite snacks. I have seriously been eating garlic pistachios and then raw walnuts. I've been (coughs) really kind of doing more of a paleo, lower-carb stuff, so... It fits any diet. You can get the snacks, whatever diet plan you're on or however you want to eat, Nature Box fits it. But for my kids who aren't doing that, I get them stuff like vanilla bean wafers and white cheddar caramel popcorn, which I have to admit tastes so dang good. You're sure to find your new snack obsession at Nature Box. They add snacks every month inspired by real customer feedback and the latest food trends and professional chefs. It's so simple. Just go to naturebox.com, choose the snacks you want, and Naturebox will deliver them right to your door, and there's no risk. If you ever try a snack you don't like, don't eat it. Naturebox will replace it for free. So here's what I want you to do. Right now, you'll save even more. Naturebox is offering bad Christian fans three free snacks with your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash badchristian. That's naturebox.com slash badchristian for three free snacks with your first order. Naturebox.com slash badchristian. All right. Thank you, Toby, for that. Okay. Now, sorry for that for that interruption there, but I was trying to talk about Jesus, so you'll forgive me. Since it is true that I'm convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, God, alive, ruler, since I am into all that and believe it and am convinced of it, uh, church or 
the church as the Bible talks about it is something that I've, I've always known must be reconciled. So I've always sought to reconcile it or find something or whatever, but I always thought it was very, very not for me, given where I grew up. And then even the evangelical subculture of the South seems so goofy or unintelligent. And then the people that were intelligent seemed to be all formal. And the, it, it just, I couldn't, nothing ever made sense to me. Marcel did. First of all, I don't find it formal, I, even though it was very authoritarian. So I'll give you that. So I, I was, I'm going to admit something that sounds bad, but I think is true about human nature in this too. It was very authoritarian in nature, which became attractive to me because it, at least it felt like it gave some answers, but I felt like it was informal. Like you could be yourself, you could cuss, you could dr- dress however, you could play whatever music. And the people were very talented and intelligent. So I found at this point Mars Hill to be Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And even the upside of the authoritarian is, well, at least this is authoritarian about the one thing that matters, first of all. And then secondly, I saw it as, oh, it's, uh, it's that attractive part of authority where you think you can have some of the authority too. So that's sinful. That's wrong. But that, there's some allure of that. You know, I did leadership. I was uh, looked at well in, in the community and I felt like a performer or an earner. I mean, not, 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 literally those things. But that about the authoritarian thing, I mean, when you're the authority or you have some piece of it and you feel like it's important enough and the ends justify the means, that's a kind of a recipe for, for that kind of thing. And I certainly was, I think that was one of the big problems with it. I think that's one of the reasons it worked really well. I think it's one of the reasons a lot of churches and systems or even cults work is they find that narrow thing like, oh, this is the perfect thing for just me. It answers this, it solves this, and it has the promise of moving up and power for myself. That's a bad combination for humans, and that's part of what was going on there. But formality in itself, which is how I got under this tirade, I've always been very uncomfortable with because I feel goofy and out of place. And You know what I mean? I would never have been good in any formal system or yeah. like formality of the past. So every time I mean, things move toward informality, I'm in favor of it pretty much. Like, Do you, do you see your time at Mars Hill, though, as almost being like a hiccup? in your life and no. the reason why I, uh, the, well the reason why I say it that way is because you that was that was the most important thing in your life at the time and mm-hmm. you were completely submissive to it and you're not like that with anything right. so even with your explanation you, you still made a mistake in in giving that much of yourself to something that proved yes. to not be a good thing absolutely right? uh, 100% Hundred percent. But I mean, I don't know that you call it a miracle or whatever. I'm not even saying it's all negative. There's a lot of good stuff about it, of course, and I would always say that. But it is a it is a weird blip that doesn't fit my personality. And I don't know what that means. Maybe that means something like it's so strong or whatever that it could even take a person like me and, and have me become submissive or submit to authority or authoritarian. But I was attracted to that. I was like, oh, there is right and wrong. Somebody's going to tell me what to do that I can believe enough to do it. That it feels good. Yeah. I mean, people are born followers like Loki says on the Avengers movie. You know that speech Loki gives in Avengers where yeah. he says, people were made to follow. They need to be ruled. They are. I yeah. think he's right about that. It takes, yeah. it's only some people, maybe some people kind of like me and better than me, of course, that can be... I mean, that's the real scary thing is you're either a follower like Loki's talking about or you're Loki. I mean, it's really the in-between right. gets real squirrely. Like, it's like almost like, I suppose, Nietzsche and those people say might makes right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, people right. want to follow. They want to be told what to do. And if the people that realize that, uh-oh, what, now you got to watch right. out for them because once you flip that you know, script and you know that people want to be ruled and led – <laughs> what are you supposed to do, you know? So that's one well, that's, of the scary that's, things that, about humanity. Well, that's also why you cannot put all the blame on pastors. I know people think that we only oh, talk shit not. about no. pastors, but like the people want it. It's exactly right. like the Old Testament where right. God says, you don't need a king, yes. I'm your king. And they go, no, 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 we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. Yes. We want a pastor, we want the guy, we want the guy, we want him. He's awesome, we'll lift him up, he's the greatest human ever. You know, right. it, People make kings and, and queens and royalty like of mythical status. Like right. they, they can be gods in a sense. It takes the pressure off that. you and responsibility yeah. off you and you're looking for a yes. savior and, and all that stuff. And I will say this too. I think uh, one thing that I didn't realize and in retrospect maybe I do realize now about Marcel is that it did feel like the, it was talking to me and challenging me personally. 
and then I felt like everybody else was too, so we were all in because it, it, was, it was the first time where you're like a strong man really was like, hey, get your shit together because you're a good dude and you can be better. Right. Or, man, you're not, you know, there, there's, and it, it, I was like, whoa, holy crap, I can be a better husband. I can be a better father. I can be a better uh, servant to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, all those things were great. Mm-hmm. All those things are true. Like all, so there was really, like you said, man. I thought it was interesting. It was the first time where I felt like the things that were true were really pushed, and the things that I thought were, you know, open hand that didn't really matter. That other churches I'd grown up in had cared so much about, they went to the wayside. Like you, can, it's okay to drink a beer. Don't don't do it too much. But if you want to drink a beer, drink a beer. If you cuss, okay. It, but we're not gonna. You know, those are things that you need to decide for yourself. But here's here's the things that we really need. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was really good, and I think it did change. Yeah. I, I will always well, say, you, Marshall, along for the for ride, the when, even when if that you meant, enter that, uh, you know, thing I have bit, some disappointments oh, sorry, and you hurt. Sorry, out there. Go ahead. Sorry, you even cut out. So disappoint- repeat your last sentence because it cut out. I was going to say everything. I, I will always say that. Mostly good came from Mars Hill. I hate the way it ended. I wish it could have done better. I wish people could have maybe uh, Mark Driscoll and, and folks and the elders communicated better and things would have been better and Mark maybe would have been a little bit more repentive and it, I think it would have helped him and it would have helped the church. But I do believe all the things were good. I hate the way it ended, but I mean, I'm, I I do believe I'm a better man, mm-hmm. a better person for having gone there and worked there for a year. Yeah, but that, mean, that, that's what's that's along inter- for the ride, though, when you get that thing where you're submitting to authority and somebody challenges you to be a better person, you go, maybe I could be a better person. Matter of factly, right. in a systematized way, along for the ride there will be superiority. You will feel superior and, and instantly. Even before you become the better person that you think you're going to become, you already feel better than other people. So one of the big things at Mars Hill was... No matter what, it wasn't taught explicitly, but of course it was implicit in the yeah. culture that no, none of these other churches around here are good. They can't be because we are. Because we that's know. true. That, that, You're that's, right. That's there. That's one of the negative so, parts of. That's it. one of the yeah. things that it sells when you aspire to be better and submit to an authority. But I think that's, that's pretty you know. common in most churches. No, it is I, common I in all, all systems. That, that yeah. when you that yeah, yeah, is yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, here, here's I what's think. so tricky though is because we we've we've bashed the emphasis that churches put to uh, put on leadership, and I think that there is some truth to that. But any corporation that has uh, established a really healthy everybody-in environment where everybody feels equal and valued and just very community-oriented, and I'm talking about like in the corporate workplace, it was established by really good leadership. So like I've, I've just found, you know, because on this podcast, we've talked a lot of, Hey, a lot of this stuff is unhealthy in the churches. And so for on even a really practical basis, there's been, um, situations where I've tried to shy away from leadership and just kind of having an all in approach. And some nine times out of 10, you actually need someone to lead stuff. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, for sure. I, I think it's uh, something I've been really thinking about lately, too, is why is church, like, especially mega churches and big churches and stuff like this, and, and like we were, uh, I, even though we'll talk, we probably need to talk about it in a minute, uh, Eugene Peterson. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, that. Yeah, I forgot about it, but I was thinking, I loved how what he said about mega churches and how... Uh, they're not churches, he said. <laughs> yeah, they're not churches, and it's, it's you know... I, you, you can go back and read what he said, but anyway, I, I was thinking, why is it so accepted that we can talk, we can relate church to business? That happens so much now, especially within the megachurch world of growth, margin, uh, uh, you know, leadership, leadership skills. Like I see so many pastors doing podcasts and books and stuff about leadership mm-hmm. and how you lead, and like well. from basically a CEO standpoint. And that really does bother me. I don't think church is a business. Now, people will go, well, you have to think about it as a business because of this, this, and this. But I think it's a little bit of a cop-out. Of course like, it is. It, it, like, why would we be so quick to relate the business world and even some of the you know words that people use in the business world enter into the Christian world and vice versa? Like, it just shouldn't be that way. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, that, that is a warning sign to me when a church is thinking about its growth and its, its uh, size and its style in business terms. And, yeah. and in and potential of money and what we can do and our reach and all that stuff, that, that should be the first warning sign of, wait a minute, what are we doing here? That, we don't need to be a business. We just can't. I mean, here, be, it, here, here's what it boils down to is the only way that – because I, I, I actually here's, – here's why I agree with Eugene uh, – was it Robertson? Peterson. Robin, <laughs> Peterson. 
<laughs> here's why I agree with his <laughs> statement is I don't necessarily see the Sunday morning gathering of a typical mega church as the church. And here's a perfect example of sometimes when people are looking into Seacoast, for instance, they want to know how we handle church discipline. And basically what they're getting at is, is the last step getting people in front of the church because that's what the Bible says to do. And I need to see if you guys are biblical. And my answer to that is always, well, you realize when those instructions came out, there wasn't anything like this. So the writer, or Jesus in this instance, when he uh, talks about how to handle these sorts of things, he's not thinking a big mega church room with thousands of people and people getting up on stage and confessing sin. I was like, that's the sort of thing that, yeah, would need to eventually happen in the church, but why isn't church seen as like small groups, for instance, or, you know, the smaller community. So I think that I don't necessarily, so when he says what he says about mega churches not being church, I'm totally comfortable with saying, yes, the Sunday morning gathering is not intended for church with, with the, in, in the way that we mean church, and that is the people, actually community, doing things and that sort of thing. And it is the actual gathering mm-hmm. that requires churches to be a business. So you That's ag- the part. So you and disagree so the only way, then? With- right. The, well, the only way to reverse that is to literally have some sort of a policy in place that keeps churches from being too large. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Tim Keller actually successfully did that. I could be speaking out of turn, but I'm pretty sure that he did that. So that's that's the only way to keep your church from is having to operate like yeah. a business. <laughs> so Joey, let me ask you a question. With that being said, then what is the purpose of Sunday morning? If you say it's not the church and it is a business, what is it? It's just people coming together to what? No, I no, I think the church gathering is basically the business aspect of a church because you need a large room you need uh power supply you no, need yeah, yeah. but why systems. do why do people need to go to it why question. do it oh why? that's what's yeah, why, negotiable why? oh yeah, yeah, yeah you don't totally. care but i'm they saying from your from your standpoint what do you what yeah what yeah, do you that, believe then like yeah yeah that's that's the discussion part the thing that i cannot get away from is right now it is the best means as a whole for people to find the community Um, because you can't necessarily look in, you can't look online for the address of a few random Christians that meet over hamburgers and talk theology. You can't find that in Google. What you can find is that's relatively healthy POV. I think, yeah, the, the, you, you can find the church that's somewhat healthy in your local area and then find community through that. So I, I just think that we're going to get further and further away from, or we have to get further and further away from seeing the church as yes. people's door into community. It just can't be that way. There's, so one, I, there's one word that, that ties what you said about the church being a business and you talking about the Sunday morning thing and all that being primary, and that word is evolution. And I, if you... And I'll tell you exactly what I mean by that. Uh, you know, as soon as, if you don't mind, Joey, first, if you tell us a little about Indochino, is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Companies around the world are changing the way that people do things. In this case, buying suits. So Indochino is making it easy to get a perfectly tailored suit at an incredible price. Here's the deal. You got a choice. You can get in the car, drive to some sort of a clothing store, wait for a customer service person to let you try on some suits. Probably not going to find one that's perfect for you because it wasn't made for you. With Indochino, you can choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics and personalize your suit just the way you want it. Whether it's for work, a wedding, special occasion, Indochino has suited up hundreds of thousands of men and are now the largest made-to-measure men's brand in the world. I mean, all you have to do is visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. It's just a simple, easy process. There's even little videos to make sure you are doing the measurements right. Like I said, you pick your fabric, choose your customization like lapels to pleats to jacket lining, submit your measurements, place your order, and wait for it to arrive just in a few weeks. A perfect suit for you. This week, our listeners get any premium Indochino suit for $379. So Indochino.com, enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. So that's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com and then enter uh, BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit shippings free. 
Indochino.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN, any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. All right. Thank you. All right. So let me uh, break it down. Oh, break it down for you real quick here with this <laughs> this church thing. So if you think about early on when, when the church was birthed, you had a rapid spread of yeah. Christianity. It was the Roman Empire. And you would have to say, okay, that's a good thing. Christianity spread like crazy. But what was some of the results? The government started to be run in the context of religion. So the government was the faith, the faith, and that's not good. And so that needed to be undone. I would say the same thing for megachurches is you can argue all you want that we should have never gone this route. Maybe you can make some good points. Uh, you, you can definitely make good points and you can make good points to the contrary. But I think what we need to face right now is it's just not healthy for churches to have to base decisions on money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they right. have to base the direction of the church on money. They have to alter their decisions based on money. There's no way we can think that's okay for our faith and this gospel message to have to be altered because we need to be bringing money in to pay people and pay buildings. Mm-hmm. That has to be something that we agree with is not good. Right, but the what problem is here, and so I wanted to set, talk about it in terms of evolution, or, or I guess more specifically, it's just a Darwinian look. It's not really evolution in the technical or scientific sense, but it's more of a philo- philosophical thing. And I find philosophical deeper answers to be a little bit more helpful in this day and age than, of course, as we say, application and super practical stuff. So what we always want to do is sit here and talk about, we need to do this. We should choose to do this. We should choose as a community to make church this way, to not like a business, to not like you, you said, to have it be the primary thing Sunday morning. There's a reason why that is. And it's not because anybody's making any choices. It's a very deep drive, uh, not even drive, just a, a force that things that are effective continue to exist, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Viruses, cancers, uh, you know things like that. They they just if they can if they can replicate themselves and if they can grow, they will. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. So you can talk yeah. all day about what ought to happen, but it's not. That's not what's. It's not like we all sat around and decided this. This is what emerged. It's an emergent phenomenon that power will be power. It will take more power. It, it, who's supposed to write the books about leadership if not leadership people talking about leadership? That's just what yeah. happens and that's what people will take right. and it's what works so it's what exists. It's not yeah. really a conscious decision by anybody and that's the problem. We sit here and talk all day long about let's just decide to be nice to all humans and give everything back and to change our church and to change our police forces. That's just not, you know, this is, this, these are emergent properties of, of nature itself, almost of existence itself. You know what yeah. I mean? Like things that don't exist don't get to represent themselves or, you know, like the non-existence of power dynamics and the non-existence of taking the church seriously and making it a large, strong thing. You just th- thus don't hear about it. Yeah. This doesn't right. propagate itself. So that's the inherent problem that well, you're well, always it's, fighting it's, it's against. It's very clear. The more, the more money and the more power you get, it seems to be the worse things get, Right. Like I mean, well, yeah, I don't, I, ca- I don't no, care. You, at first they're good, and then at some point they cross a critical no, mass. And that's what I'm saying. Once you get, as you add, if if you have something good and you add money and power to it, it gets worse. Yes or no? Right. Eventually, to some degree. I, I mean, mean you, like a little bit of money and power is good for a thing to begin and no, grow, but at, at some point saying, it will as, it will be, turn on right. itself and become. That's my point. As long as, and, as long as you keep adding money and right. power to something, mm-hmm. not don't a little bit. You're right. Maybe everybody needs some. Obviously, there's no I stopping believe, it though. Is the problem? Everybody needs leadership and everybody needs mm-hmm. money. That's yeah. just Resources, the world we live in. So powers, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not. Yes, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that. But I'm saying the more you add to something that even is good or bad. It almost seems like the worse it gets right. in a sense of even like if you're talking about cancer or whatever, the more money and power you add to it, resources, well, you yeah, say. maybe more resources you add to it. Well, yeah, maybe you find a cure, but then maybe <laughs> people hold back some of the cure so they can charge you more. Maybe things morally get a little weird or whatever it might be, as opposed to just putting information out and letting it be free to people or whatever it might be. But I, I think that that is where we we get it wrong. And that is the prime example to me is when most people on earth, beside, take out any non-Christian, anybody, any non-Christians out there, not Christians, just, just 
any non-Christian looking at the church and looking at a mega church, what do you think is the first thing they see? Money. Right. That's what they see, right? Like money in the giant building, money possibly wasted, but they don't know. But it looks like a giant building. It looks like super nice right. this and that. And a, a you know the pastor's making a good living. So that seems to me like there is a, a little right. bit of a, you know, that, that would put me off. Too. Yeah, but what do you, like the, the, what, there's not much you can do about it given that it's doing its own thing, almost independent. There's not even a central necessarily in most cases actor driving it. It's a combination of leaders and followers and power. And there's these, I mean, government. Right. So the same way, and you can't really fix them. How, how are we going to reform our government? I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, think about all the churches out there that say, we do things differently. Yeah, you do things three and a half percent different. We're not going to get anywhere right. this way. I mean, you know, the government is this big patchwork. Is it, is it possible for it to be smaller in 30 years? Like significantly smaller? Of course, it's not possible. They have a right. life, these institutions have lifespans, which is sad and scary, but sometimes, I mean, you know, I was talking to Aaron Sprinkle yesterday, and he was talking to me, he was, you know, listening to some different stuff, I think he was listening to the Vox podcast, which I was on recently, I think is a good one, so check that out, Um, but he he was talking, he's been going through a bunch of stuff, he says he's pretty much not going to church anymore, and he finds that, and I think this is quite interesting and compelling, I'm glad to hear it, he says, it's not people leaving the church and saying they're not going to church is not necessarily so much people that have just lost interest in faith. It's people that care the most about faith that are leaving the church because they know there's other stuff. There's better stuff. There's wrong yeah. stuff wrong with this. And that is, a, to me, wildly encouraging. I'm so, I mean, that's a good, that's a positive way to think about it. It's sad in some regard because our institution may have jumped the shark and it may right, be so irreparable. Let me, let me, but think about that yeah. for a second. The classic thing that the institutional people like to tell you is, you guys, oh, people are losing their faith. They're walking away from church. They don't go anymore. These these burnout people. Well, that's not true. There's tons of people that care very much about God, Jesus, seeking community, trying to think people that are actively caring that maybe in the last generations found these church communities like Marcel, et cetera, that are actively leaving to seek different things, to figure stuff out because they do care. Now, what are you going to do so, about that? So so can't you make can't you make this point then that potentially – the church system that we're talking about is a handy tool for people whose faith isn't deep and potentially a good yes. filtering system to get them there. And what what that means is that churches, uh, you know, the big churches that everybody's heard of, there's people that, hey, yeah, I went here for two years and uh, I'm not going to come anymore. I've got a little group that I stay in contact with and ask questions with we get together and read the bible sometimes and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and it's like that should be okay that should be a mature i, I went movement. yeah i went right. to but this it's not gonna ever be seen that way by a power system and, well and, and right. here's and here's the thing too there should also be the option of some people saying yeah i don't necessarily need this sunday morning thing for me personally and i'm not saying i'm above it i just don't feel like i need it but I want to contribute my energy and my expertise because I know other people do. So I'm going to hang around I like here it. for a while. I how mean, about, how about it's just, like the educational model? You know all those people in their 20s and 30s when you ask them, what are you doing for a living now? And they go, uh, uh, going back to school actually. Like, cause now you, you don't have to, right? So it's like, a, it's, it's like the thing where right. the longer, I'm not saying this is exactly true, but it's almost a model of you could graduate from church, the shallow, whatever. I've thought about that you know forever. I, 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 that's one of my, <laughs> I, totally 100% that should happen because the big thing about church too, is a lot of times they say new believers, they talk about this, this. And so they, since they're trying to cast such a large net, they can't go too deep right. on uh, theological terms or real education. They have to keep it pretty uh, baseline because they, you know, what if there's somebody out there that doesn't understand a higher learning of, you know, whatever theological terms or whatever it might be, uh, or just the fact that they just want to keep everybody, you know, equal in a sense. Lowest common uh, denominator is the y- phenomenon, yeah. of course. I mean, right. we're, we so, are such, we are so on to something right now. Listen to <laughs> it, the, the, the number, the number of people that I have talked to that basically said, yeah, I mean, I've I've been coming to such and such church for a long time. It really was awesome for me, man. I met great people, and it was it just, it was life changing. Now I just I just kind of don't feel like 
anything's hit me or right. so sometimes it could be that person's fault but other times no, no, that they, person right. should have a very positive attitude and not be not have resentment towards the church that used to be so awesome to him or her but actually be like I really appreciate this season of life where the church contributed so this church system contributed so much to my well-being I don't really need it anymore. Now, Instead, yeah. is full of people once, that are repeating the ninth grade for the seventeenth time. Right, one hundred percent. Right, right. Because once now, once someone says, "I don't need the body of Christ," all of us are going to be like, "Oh, that's uh, you know, the don't nobody, be a Christian then," because that. that's right, right. And so I just don't that's understand a, why a, people. That's a myth. Actually, you should address that. Nobody does that. I don't. Right. I don't know anybody that does that. Right. I don't know. And what, I mean, I and know people that leave the faith and aren't Christian anymore, but almost anybody that gets fed up with the church or moves on, they should be released. They should be sent out. They should be, that should just be okay. They, they aren't leaving because they just, I don't give a shit anymore. Right, I mean, that's, and that's why I, I do not appreciate people's hard-headedness that when someone comes out and says, hey, I have moved on from the church, and then people immediately say, you can't. Uh, you separate yourself right. from the body of Christ. It's like that's not what they're talking about, and you know it. You know better. Right. That's not what they're talking. Like when Donald Miller came out and actually said, "Yeah, I, I I don't have a place in the church system." I think he articulated himself very well, but you still had people saying, "How can you divorce yourself from the body of Christ? That's impossible. You must not be a Christian." It's like that's not what they're saying. That's I mean, right. come on, it's just crazy. You got to there grad- should there, so well, now there we're should just be saying- something very. There should be something very easy in distinguishing, okay, church system that has its good purposes, and then church that all Christians are part of, whether they like it or not. Two, two separate things here. So, yeah, because it's not static. I mean, you could graduate, right, with honors, <laughs> or you could flunk out. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not a program like that, but, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting analogy to think through that gives you another dimension of, of a way to think of that, and that dimension, of course, would just be maturity. But, I mean, you, yeah. maybe you could graduate from... From a type of church. Well, yeah. here's what I don't understand. Why is everybody, why, yes. Why is everybody so scared of that? You do that in everything else. You don't. Most people don't stay at the same job. I think the average time frame of a job is like four or five years. Most you don't stay in elementary school. You don't stay in middle school. You don't stay in high school. You don't stay in college. You move on, and guess what? You make new friends, and that makes you uh, wiser, smarter, more grace filled. Everything. If you keep. I mean, it's great to have friends your whole life, and I'm going to be friends with you guys for most of my life, so I get that, and that's what I want. I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of your friends or the people that you go to church with, but there should be something where people are like, hey, man, you've been here a long time. You've you kind of been repeating this thing for a few years. Why don't you go to the next level? Let's encourage you to go and do some more stuff and, and get to that next stage mm-hmm. in your life. And I don't know if that happens enough in church. And the reason why is, and this is what's frustrating, is because the church needs people to pay and stay. Oh, yeah, you need yeah. butts in the seats and money going in the offering plate. You have to, or you can't stay at the size you're at. And that's what's scary to everybody is, uh-oh, what if we don't stay at the size we're at? That means we're not doing as good. And yeah. that's not true. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think true. the best way to grow and maturity it always starts with foundations and the best foundation to grow is you had to get a good night's sleep first and I'll oh, tell you about, yes. Casper helps with that let me tell you something technical about Casper mattresses that I love you guys know I think in a technical manner but their San Francisco research and development team recently developed a proprietary foam that relieves pressure and increases airflow now this measures out experientially of how I feel about my Casper mattress and I've noticed this now that it's summer now that it's hot it's warm and you the last thing you want to be when you sleep is warm you want to be cool and you want it to have to have good airflow and that's really what happens here so the Casper mattress combines supportive memory foams and springy comfort layer to contour to your body and keep you cool you guys know about Casper I've told you about them a lot they're a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers eliminating the commission driven inflated prices it's an award winning sleep service people talk about them all over the place so Casper makes a premium mattress and sells it online for a fraction of what it would cost in a store real customers have said that the mattress is like sleeping on brioche and like being cradled by the tinkling of baby laughter in the moonlight. That's real. That's what people say about these things. And the best part is buying Casper is easy. You order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact box. Free shipping, free returns. It's available in the U.S. and Canada. And guess what? Now in the U.K., everybody in the United Kingdom, get your Caspers. 
considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why they give you 100 nights to try it out. So you get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Again, $50 off. Go to casper.com slash bcpod and use the promo code bcpod at checkout. You know who did? Yeah, you know who didn't get a good night's sleep before his interview? Apparently it was Eugene Peterson. <laughs> Gene, Gene Patterson. <laughs> It's so crazy. I, I seriously, I, I can't, I can't stop thinking that in his old age, he kind of jumbled his thoughts and words and maybe even had a, I just think maybe he had a senile moment. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's so, I mean, why would you even let him off the hook like that? That didn't even make sense. No, just, because it doesn't hear what would he? I mean, what would be senile about it? That he doesn't understand his entire life? I mean, he totally forgot that he thinks men and women should that's marry hilarious. only? That's Well, his, his comments were, he, were, oops. Can someone can someone pull up exactly what he I'll said? I'll look it, it up. It was, the the nature of it was very weird. It wasn't like he was making, I mean, he basically said, hey, my position has changed because I know a lot of gay Christians, but he didn't say anything concrete about marriage or anything like that. So it was like... Yeah, he did. He said he would even marry a gay couple. I, I was trying to look it up myself, He, too. he answered uh, yes to that question, which was a big deal. But Joey's... Joey's that's so hilarious to Joey's take on it is... Because Joey thinks... First of all, Joey might be the one that is senile based on some of the things that I hear him say from time to time. Joey, you are Eugene Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, we talk about it a lot. And Joey, I mean, you know, Joey's mama and stuff like that and everything. So, uh, you know, like, I guess that's just on your mind and that's the frame you see it through. But that's a hilarious notion that this guy's just out there saying, would you marry gay people? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, he said, first, I got to go run soapbox derby with my Boy Scout troop. You know, right. and then I'll be right back for the gay marriage. <laughs> and then my then my grandma's coming over. She makes the best apple pie. But after that, I'll do. I'll, I'll let gay people get married. But anyway, hey, anybody found my teeth? I mean, that's what. That's what I do. <laughs> all, right, all right, here's my take on it. I really, this is what I really believe. He heard, uh oh, Lifeway is going to take all my books away. And he's 84 years old and thinks Lifeway is the king of book sales. And he's like, uh oh, I got. I got kids, all this stuff, and I'm not going to be able to uh, leave a legacy or money or anything, and it's not worth dying on this hill for. But he had to—he had to have been smart enough to know that was going to happen. That's what doesn't make sense. Is he that stupid to not know the backlash that he was going to get? Uh, that's so. That's I mean, we the, the three of us all <laughs> the, the three of us all talked about just how badass it was that he's just mm-hmm. like, hey, if I'm going out. I'm going out hardcore because we all operated under the assumption that he knew what he was doing. Like he knew it was right. going to fall That's apart. At, I mean, well, so I just, well, so just th- doesn't. So now, it, 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 if anything, he should feel utterly embarrassed that he either took back the words because he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize what I was saying. I was senile, which is very embarrassing. Or B, yeah, I didn't really mean all that. That's even more embarrassing. Well, I mean, either way, he's in a very crummy light right now. That way is tr- maybe a way to let him off the hook. So the the one thing that y'all didn't, the one point of view that neither one of you, Toby's very cynical. It says that he just isn't sincere. Or he was sincere. One of the two isn't sincere is what Toby. But hold on, look, listen is. to what he actually said when they asked about gays and lesbians. He said. Uh, gays and lesbians seem there's lots of gays and lesbians that seem to have as good as a spiritual life as I do noting that he would not have said that 20 years ago he added that he thinks the whole debate about gays and lesbians is probably over people who disapprove of it they'll probably just go to another church he said so we're in a transition and I think it's a transition for the best for the good I don't think it's something that you can parade but it's not a right or wrong thing as far as I'm concerned. That's mm-hmm. not senile. It's pretty lucid. That's very, that's very <laughs> thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And he, even talking about 20 years ago, not that he it was alive thinking he was living in those times right now. Right. He said, I wouldn't even have thought that back in the past, but now I don't think so. And then mm-hmm. now he clarifies because I think it's money. And he's just scared that, you know, and I would be too. Maybe if I was 84 yeah. years old and my grandkids and people aren't going to get money or they're going to, you know, people are going to throw me out. And this, I, he just doesn't want to deal with it. 
He so, doesn't want to deal with the backlash. Could there be a, I mean, I, of course, I don't think actual Alzheimer's is the, is the correct answer <laughs> here. But, you know, Joe, what Joey's trying to do is give him an out that doesn't disparage his character. And Toby immediately jumps to character disparagement. So, uh, let's, uh, could there be something in between or not? And, no. I, you know, of course, I'm leaning Toby's direction here as, as usual and stuff there like that. There is no but in between. I was, here's why I'm frustrated. Well, first of all, I'm very frustrated. We did a whole episode about it. And as I was uploading it, it this retraction <laughs> came out. So, that very much frustrated me. So, I'm an anti-Peterson from now, from now on for that reason alone. Um, but I was really, you, yeah, I thought. You done, what, you done, you done yeah. F with the bad. Christian podcast, so So, we hate you. (laughs) I was really happy about what he did. I thought it was bold. I thought it was strong. I said it was important. I mean, I really felt that way. And so now we are are left with a character question. And that question is, is it, I mean, the only way to let him out reasonably is to take him at his words, which is very hard to believe that he had that strong, that lucid, that measured of responses that he obviously knows would be controversial. But he held back. Either he was trying to be coy in the first place, or he's like, you know what? I didn't think it through, and I, you know, in his heart of hearts, did he really have a change? Did he really change in those few days? Maybe he did. Maybe he goes, you know what? I was just being loose and callous. I'm out of touch with the Lord. I prayed about it some more, and He revealed to me. And I, I you know, for a minute there, I was thinking about going that way, and I'm glad that the Holy Spirit has nudged me back in the right direction. And that's a gen- like maybe he did kind of flip flop, but in a genuine way of, you know. Nothing weird or bad about it, because I mean well, that's I, possible, I just, right? Yeah, I just I don't heard think it's his really likely. I think it's more like Toby's way, but I just heard his comments more along the lines of how how should the church interact with this demographic? But it doesn't. It didn't seem as if he was coming down hard on whether or not this was a moral or immoral sin or, or is, issue. Like it just didn't seem like he was being uh, definitive on his stance as to whether or not it was a sin. Because honestly, I think um, I think all of us, it seems as if there's still somewhat of a question mark with whether or not acting out a gay lifestyle is a sin. But I think all three of us were like, there's enough gray and there's enough other sins for this not to supposed to matter like this doesn't does is this really something that should matter you know what i'm saying that's the question that we're asking so it just seems like maybe that's what he was getting at originally but then everybody jumped on it as oh my gosh peterson just came out as affirming and he's like i didn't really do that so maybe you're saying that he was if you so you're saying maybe he was trying to thread a needle and be clever and do something that would help both sides and and bridge a gap whereas he didn't even really hold those views much he was just trying to hint at maybe going that way a little bit that he might thought would be positive but had he been grilled in that moment deep more deeply he would have revealed that he did think it was sinful and not really okay that just yeah i mean the the, the reporter jonathan merritt didn't go deep enough but had he pursued it more in that moment he would have genuinely found out that no eugene peterson does think that the bible affirms the opposite of, of what he said or, or more in a more clarifying detail doesn't affirm what it sounded like he was affirming. And so then when it had to be fully clarified, his full thoughts came out or he changed his thoughts based on some outside yeah. pressures, which I think is yeah. a little bit more convincing. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. I, I'm totally comfortable, honestly, with someone saying I I am 100% con- and I could be wrong, but I'm 100% convinced that a practicing gay lifestyle is wrong, but I also do not think it matters. And I know everybody's going to jump, oh, so sin doesn't matter. Oh, sin's not destructive. All I'm saying is I think there's an open door for people to be like, you know what? There's so much sin in this world. And and I'm, I'm operating off the assumption in this conversation that uh, acting on a gay lifestyle is a sin. So that's, that's what I'm operating from. And so I'm totally fine with someone saying, man, it is just overwhelming how much of prisoners we all are of sins that we don't even know it can't matter right. that much to the Lord with whether or not someone is acting on their sexuality when there's so many more severe things going on in this world that we're blind to. I'm okay with someone having that standpoint. So all I'm saying is that could have been where yep. Peterson was coming from. Like, this this doesn't matter. Times are changing. It's not going to be a big issue in a while. But I didn't hear him say, I don't think 
that it's a sin. Okay, I, I guess y'all, I don't y'all care. Might have, okay, I'll tell you what. Y'all, y'all have changed my mind. Y'all swayed me a little bit <laughs> to the idea that this is an 84-year-old man who maybe doesn't do that many interviews, and maybe he felt pressured and, and was trying to say that we make too big of a deal out of this, and we should be... like Because he did go on to make some comments about that there were gay folks that came to his church, and his job was to be a pastor to them no matter what. So mm-hmm. I can see that, but... You have to. I, I can't get away from the fact that he felt pressure from a the church or the Christian right or whatever. It the might legacy be thing makes the most sense. That. Possibly royalties yes. or money, but maybe more like let just overall legacies. Like, well, I don't want to go out weird or something, or I guess I better not right. cause waves, or I better do the the wise thing. Either that, or he was trying to float something he didn't quite believe and skate initially, and he knew it. Yeah. Either way, I'm not, I'm not real, real sure. But that's. I think pretty... it would have been more power, powerful for his legacy and more, at least, memorable if he would have stayed on this stance and gone, no, uh, I of don't course. think it's a big deal. But, yeah. may I mean, y'all are I right. So. There's a chance that he really does regret it and he's just like, oh, man. I should but have done that. If, yep. Here's my question If nobody said anything, is Eugene Peterson doing a retractment of his statement? If nobody said, oh, oh no, no, absolutely, of course not. He would never say anything. No, of course not. He would never mention it, it, and it would be there for all of history. So the only reason he is retracting it is because people say, what? And so it's only the reaction alone. that prompted his uh, deeper seeking, if nothing else. But right. essentially, you find that I always find the public apologies and retractions almost always dishonest. Essentially, he pulled a Kathy Griffin here. He tried to get away right. with something a little bit obnoxious, and then when he realized, uh oh, like he thought that would be a good, like provocative thing, pull Donald Trump's head up. Like, here's a provocative thing I'm going to try to do. It should go over. I'm, I'm trying to push some boundaries. I'm 84, whatever. Uh oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. Right. And now I'm going to you know, enter some totally false thing where I read the script and apologize publicly. And that stuff, I mean, right. you can, that kind of stinks. We don't well, like to that. Me, I, to I, to I me, it, be- definitely, it definitely gave us a preview to when that first person does come out as gay affirming. And that person well, that What do you I mean, mean the first person? Is, there are many. <laughs> or, no, no, no. Well, yeah, I was just going to explain. What I mean by that is like a very mainstream accepted mm-hmm. pastor, an Andy Stanley, a Rick Warren, a Bill Hybels. Like, That's coming. It, it is going to be a very, What's the most? Very where's the line deal. right now? Where's the line currently? Who's the most... Who's the most like of that's that changed right his mind? I mean, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of categories here. Like the mainstream Christianity, we don't take Rob Bell serious. We've already written him off, so whatever he says doesn't even matter. But to I'm us. saying at but, least but, a Rob Bell is so right. So now, but let's initially, get to initially we had to deal with that. Like let's right. let's remember there was a time where we didn't discount everything Rob Bell said, and so when he came out with something, it was like, oh my gosh, right? We got to really think this through. What does this mean? Now we write it all off, so he's gone. Uh, so I would say another person. You know, you got your Judah Smith, where everybody expects him maybe close. to be a little more progressive in his mm-hmm. thoughts, and he yeah he he touched the issue a little bit. But I'm telling you, when someone like Rick Warren or an Andy Stanley type, who is the least one, liberal person that currently holds gay affirming? Least what, liberal gay. Who's the most conservative know. person that con- that currently holds that? It's pretty. That is gay affirming. Yes. I don't. Well, I mean, know. because essentially yeah, what know. I'm saying is, you'll see a line, and it'll it'll be a front, like a battlefield line. I shouldn't use the term battlefield because this is not yeah. how it should be seen. But um, you know, it'll be a line. It'll be a, it'll be a wave. It'll be somebody step. You know, in fact, there's an opportunity vacuum. I'll tell you out there. Some there's people teetering that go. You know, that are like, hey, I could get the press. I could. You know, there's some vacuum of opportunity for a conservative person to be the first, should they be so yeah. bold. If you did it yeah, five right. or ten years ago, you become Jay Baker, who was targeted, right. which a brave person, but he was targeted and then labeled and anything else he ever did. He was just doing right. ministry, and then he came right. out as gay affirming way too early for the culture, oh, yeah. and then he was just what? What do you call it? He was just relegated to the side. And said, oh, the gay thing with that guy. Yeah, discounted. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, I mean, it'll, do you think it could happen first in politics? Like there'll be a, a hard conservative Republican that is totally more socially liberal. Yeah, or at least on, Donald you know, Trump. Negation. Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. You're right. And, and, yeah, you're exactly. No, right. I mean, John Trump's good, fine with gay marriage, and, and right. the Christians are right. like him more than they like Eugene Peterson last week. I mean, it's absurd. Right. So, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So that that is going to happen, and you're going to see a pastor do that. And and he, once a pastor can do it and retain, like we've seen, we've even had on the podcast, you know, some pastors that have, uh, you know, 
come out gay affirming and they they lose their congregation or right. get smaller. They've been devastated or whatever closer. it might be. But what, once there's a pastor that maintains the congregation and it stays, then there, uh, other people will follow and it'll just go like that. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be. let's let's face it. From what I know of Rick Warren, um, he has definitely said some things that were super progressive that rub people the wrong way. If he were to do this, money's not going to be an issue for him. So there are some people that have reached such Legacy an affluent level. Legacy is the, what they were all worried about. Right, right. It's interesting. It's interesting, Very but it was it was definitely a preview. It was just a, mm-hmm. a he face was, preview. Yeah. Eugene Peterson was flirting with it, is what we'll say, right? Yeah, that's what. Yeah. That's all we can. Conclude. Once again, though, no matter what, I, here's what: I, like, I feel like we should even shame on us. Once you reach past eighty, I say, okay. Once you get to eighty-two, you should be able to say anything or do anything you want, and nobody can stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how horrific or awful or tell. If you make it that old, you've been through decades and decades and lived in times where none of us have. So, I mean, think about Eugene Peterson growing up as a kid and, and where, where gay rights were when, when Eugene Peterson was 10 years old. Now he's 84 <laughs> years old. Think about how much has changed. He gets a break from me just for that alone. Like, he can yeah. even mess up or do whatever. But, I mean, like the idea, like that's what would have been so amazing if for somebody to grow up in such a uh, probably oppressive society in America uh, against you know uh, homosexuals to come out and change his mind in his lifetime is huge. Yeah. But yeah. he couldn't. He couldn't go all the way. So we'll but, make this you know. proposal for old people. When you turn eighty, you you can't do whatever you want to. Certainly, you don't really mean that, but you could say anything. Right? I, no, now, Matt. You, you turn, No, Matt. You can do whatever you want to. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a t- my tamer proposal. You can this. murder? The day you turn 80, you show up to the DMV, you turn in your driver's license because you don't get yep. that anymore. You turn yep. that in, and at that time you turn in your driver's license, you get a say whatever I want card. That's you, awesome. That, that's, you have a license to say whatever shit you want. You can't hurt anybody, and you certainly can't right. get behind the damn wheel. You can do drugs, right. legal, anything you want to yourself, legally drugs, right. whatever, and you can say anything without being called a name or whatever. But yep. you cannot drive a car. You can't own anymore. a gun. You can't own a weapon or a no, gun. You can't those, own a car. But you can say whatever you want. But you can say whatever right. the hell you want That's to right. whoever the hell right. you want. And if they touch you or hurt you, Pull out they go license. to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I lo- like. I promise. On our vacation, we I walked out the hotel. I was sitting at the pool with the kids, and an elderly lady came and sat down by me. And I couldn't even understand one word she said. She was talking so soft. Her her uh, grandson came over and goes, "Grandma, you got to talk louder. I can't hear what you're saying." He was mad. I was like, "Well, land, leave her alone." But whatever. But when I walked outside later after talking with this nice lady, she was smoking a cigarette, and I just waved and smiled. And I was so proud of her. I was like, "This is amazing." You're <laughs> she like made it. in your eighties. And you're smoking. Why the hell would you? What you? What's the big fear? That you're going to die? That you're going to do something <laughs> bad? You're going to be dead probably in 20 minutes either way. You ain't got long to live, so why not I, enjoy it? If, if you like cigarettes, just enjoy it. I promise why would you take you, that away? My, my grandma's generation, I don't think that she can take a step back. And this is the grandma with, with her mind intact. She just can't take a step back and realize that. She gets stressed out about paperwork, about a bill coming in the mail that she's not exactly <laughs> sure where to send her check or, you know, something right. like a cholesterol or something. I'm just like, and, and there's no way that you can say this without someone thinking that you're an asshole that doesn't care about people's lives. But if anything, I'm just like, grandma, just relax. Like, enjoy yeah. this. It's The paperwork is okay. Everything's fine. Cholesterol doesn't doesn't matter anymore. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it just does not matter at all. It just doesn't at that point. Now, it'll be real bad, though, if, like, uh, they cure everything but, like, cancer or something, You're like uh, or cholesterol. <laughs> like, cancer and cholesterol, they can't cure, but everything else you can live forever. You're like, shit. Well, we're <laughs> certainly going to extend some lives, but I don't, I mean, who knows when that'll happen. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't goodness. know if it'll be a big leap or a short leap, but we will be extending people's lives at some point to some. Yeah, yeah I think, something I think my, kid, my kids will live longer, I think, than 120 Maybe, yeah. years, I think. But Probably. I don't know. That'll be possibly. interesting. The Bible says 120 years, right? Uh, we got time for a news story? Nope. Yes, we do. We don't. Okay. I no, guess we, we don't. don't. Shit. 
All right. Well, hey, those of you that just joined the BC Club, I want to give you some shout outs. And that's Justin Adams, Joshua E. Allen, Alexander Busma. And I say it that way because it's spelled very uniquely like you are from a foreign country. John Grant, Adam and Lena Vinhusen, Tavish Carey, and the Wagon, the Wagners. So we thank All you. Right. We love you. And we covet your prayers. And I, anyone- I didn't even get to get, didn't even get to say my news story. At least let me tell you all the title. The title was this: this lady that her kid kept getting sick because she was ingesting her placebo. She kept eating her placebo after she had the baby, <laughs> and the placebo was actually coming out through the breastfeeding and making the baby sick. Her, so don't eat placebos. All right, people. <laughs> after you have a baby, do not eat the placebo. We can do the full story on another episode if you like. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you that guys for, for joining the BC Club and supporting everything that we do. It's working super well. I put out a, Emory's a, on tour next week. Yep. Emory, we're emorymusic.com. You can get West Coast tickets baby. to see us in Portland, San Francisco, Anaheim, Los Angeles, Phoenix uh, next week. Those are $10 tickets. And like I said, BC Club, thank you so much. The j- listenership itself has exploded. I put a graph out. We've more than doubled what we were doing this time last year, and it just, it just seems to keep going. It makes me quite nervous. But... I would encourage everybody to be part of There's so many people that I think would really enjoy being in our BC club and interacting in that community. So if you're a new listener, I hope you will consider that. It really helps to fund the show and help us go do new things, which we got a bunch of stuff planned. We're going to try to expand and, and be able to do more things, even positive things that y'all will like, I think. It ain't just all complaining. You know that. It's all about interacting, being a community, thinking through new ideas, and having the, the ability to do that, and supporting independent media uh, is the way to go. And you should support all the shows and podcasts that you really feel like you get something out of. Hope you'll join us at thebcclub.com, and come see us at Emory Shows, emorymusic.com. Anything else? Matt and Toby album, still get it. Mm-hmm. Matt, two two of us three wrote an album, and it's unbelievable, and you'll never regret buying it. So make sure you go buy. Where can they get that album at? MattandTobyBand.com. Placebo, 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 placebo. Placebo, placebo. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.